Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. It is the John Chuckery Show coming to you live on this Friday evening as NBA Eastern Conference Finals rolling along. That's the only thing we've got left to settle before we get to the NBA Finals. And, of course, it should be a busy offseason for the Atlanta Hawks. Let's head out to the WadeFord.com hotline. Let's talk to Ben Ladner, basketball writer for Fansided.com. You can follow him on his personal Twitter page at B Ladner. Ben, thanks uh, a lot for a few minutes with us here in Atlanta this evening. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. So I, I want to start with this first. You wrote an article way back when, in right near Christmas time of last year, about Kevin Herter. And, and I want to ask you because obviously Herter playing here in Atlanta for all these years and then got traded, I, I think, because of really luxury tax reasons was the only reason that they got rid of Herter. But that being said, what do you think the biggest difference was for Kevin Herter in Sacramento where he kind of thrived this year versus what we had seen in Atlanta? Yeah, it's a good question. And I think it kind of gets to like a philosophical difference between the Kings and the Hawks and just the way they play offense. And then also kind of ties in with the direction that offense seems to be moving league wide right now, just in kind of the era of NBA basketball that we're in. Um, First of all, I think a lot of it was just youngish player getting older, adding skills, improving his game, kind of the natural progression that you see from a lot of young NBA players. But I think a lot of it too was also playing in a Kings system that wasn't as heavily predicated on spread pick and roll, you know, high ball screens revolving around one guy. And it was a more kind of inclusive, egalitarian offense that was built around these concepts of ball and player movement that allowed the players to improvise and really play freely within the system. And for a player like Kevin Herter, you know, around Trey Young, he's useful. He helps you as a spot-up shooter. He can hit a catch-and-shoot three. But there's a lot more to his game as a playmaker, uh, as a passer, ball handler as a movement shooter someone you can bring around screens um, and use to kind of pull the defense use his gravity to open up uh, opportunities for others in the offense and so I, I think in Atlanta that just wasn't really being used to the fullest extent because of how much Trey Young dominates the ball and, and how efficient he is as a ball dominant player it just made sense for the Hawks to run their offense kind of exclusively almost through him but when you move him to Sacramento you put him into this system a lot more free-flowing, a lot more threats within the offense. And I think they really empowered him uh, to shoot more off the move, shoot more off the dribble, make more plays as a ball handler. And so I think just playing in a more kind of decentralized offense really allowed a lot of his skills that we didn't get to see in Atlanta really blossom in Sacramento. 
Ben, let's uh, let's switch over to the Eastern Conference Finals. We obviously saw Boston win again last night. You know, I, I know nobody has ever come back from an, you know, 0-3 deficit, and it's never happened in NBA history, and I think it's only happened one time in Major League Baseball and this, that, and the other. So we know about all of that. But that being said, that win last night, this feels, for whatever reason, and maybe it's just perceived, maybe it's not really truth, this feels like an entire new series now. This feels like now all of a sudden we're in a series, even though Miami is still up 3-2. to two. Yeah, I think so, too. And it's hard to tell sometimes with these blowout wins, you know, how much of it is a team really figuring something out versus just getting hot on the right night and making a lot of shots. Um, I would probably have to watch last night's game again to really figure out what it was in this case for Boston. I do think they figured some things out, though, particularly with their ball movement on offense. I think they're doing a better job than they did in those first three games, uh, you know, penetrating defense, driving kicks, swinging the ball and creating open shots that way and not relying as much on Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown just to create one-on-one. And then I really thought as well in games four and five, Boston's ball pressure against Miami was a lot better. They were just more tenacious, more physical, getting up into the ball, trying to make life difficult on those heat ball handlers. And what we found out from that, I think, is that beyond Jimmy Butler, there aren't a ton of guys on this Miami roster that can create off the dribble and really create their own shot or even – compromise the defense in a way that's going to open up one of those drive and kick ball movement swing swing opportunities um, to create like a catch and shoot three or something like that so it put a lot of offensive responsibility on Jimmy Butler forced him to really be the only catalyst for Miami Um, and I think as, as the series goes on the more you ask someone to carry that heavy of a weight offensively the harder it's going to become so I think Boston has figured some things out the question now you know is just can they sustain this level of play? Can they suppress Miami for this long and win four games in a row? That's really tough to do, even if Boston is the better team in the series from here on out. Um, it's just, you know, the margin of error at this point, obviously, is so slim. They can't afford to lose even one game that it's just hard to sustain that for the rest of the series. But, you know, in the era that we're in, Boston's a really good team. Miami, obviously, an eight seed. Um, so by that measure, two versus eight, you would think that Boston's the better team. And I think in the era of parity that we're in right now in the NBA, this kind of feels like the year that if something like this is going to happen, this is kind of the year that it would happen because of all the upsets we've seen, all the parity that we see across the week. Basketball writer for Fansided.com, Ben Ladner, joining me here on the WaitFor.com hotline. So you mentioned Jalen Brown, and I am fascinated, and I mean fascinated, with the hope or wish, and I know it's pie in the sky, and I know it's, you know, unicorns and fairy tales and things like that, about the idea of the Hawks getting in the mix for Jalen Brown. So two parts to this question. Number one, do you think the Celtics are willing to give him that Supermax deal that's about 290? And number two is, if he is going to move, is it best to do it during the summertime or do you wait until closer to the trade deadline? The first question, that that's the really fascinating one to me. I, I think, you know, Boston, I personally do not think Jalen Brown would be worth that Supermax extension that he's eligible for. My bet would be that Boston does give it to him, both because he's a really good player who I think, as we're seeing in both in this playoffs and in last year's playoffs, is just highly resilient and, and just someone that you want to have on your team in, play, in the highest levels of the playoffs. Like, there's no part of his game 
that really gets exposed the deeper and deeper you go in the postseason. And that's a real asset to any team in the league. So having that plus the fact that they don't really have a great way to replace him if he does leave, I'm tempted to say that they're going to keep him around. But, you know, if, if Boston ends up losing this series, if next year doesn't necessarily go the way they plan for it to go, this Brown-Tatum core has been together a long time. I think it's worth keeping together. But I wonder from Boston's perspective if they start to think we've, we've run it back with roughly the same group so many years in a row. Does something need to change? And maybe Jalen Brown is, is their best asset that they can get something in return for. And that's where I think a team like the Hawks should, should try to get into that market. It's going to be tough with the contract Atlanta already has on its books. But when you look at this roster, to me, that's you know the three, kind of that big wing two-way player. That's exactly the hole that they need filled on this team right now. So if, if Jalen Brown is available at some point down the line, you know, the contract is going to be something to consider. You got to be mindful of, of that as you take it on, because this is going to be an expensive team. And, you know, maybe we'll talk in a little bit about whether this team's going to pay the luxury tax. They haven't really done that historically. So you start to get a little nervous about what the financials of that team might look like, but you know, local kid coming back home, really good player. Um, you can see how that would work for both sides. It's just a question of whether Boston uh, is willing to even make that a conversation. Well, let's talk about it, Ben. I mean, look, this this squad, you know, Tony Ressler has said as the owner of the Hawks that, well, we'll go in the luxury tax when it makes sense and this, that, and the other. And, and I understand that, and, and I really do. I, I don't think you just go willy-nilly in the luxury tax just because you can spend money. But you're not – at this point, they're in the luxury tax as it is. And you're not going to get a better roster unless you start going into it. I mean, you can't mm-hmm. sign guys for big money contracts of your own players and then avoid the luxury tax unless you're going to do the Kevin Herter deal. So I, I don't even know how it, it's possible that we can get better and still continue to avoid the luxury tax coming up this season. I think you put it well. Yeah. And it's it's it, it, the question with these types of teams, and, and this is a real challenge with where the Hawks are right now, just in the life cycle of the Trey Young era, you know, they're a, they're a good team. They're decent. They, they played really well against the heat. They showed some signs against Boston, even in defeat. You can see how this could be a really high level offensive team, especially in the regular season. And if you put just enough defense around it, maybe you make yourself, you know, maybe, maybe you catch what the Knicks caught this year and, and turn into that kind of team, a team that can really be a, a candidate to get to the second round and potentially beyond and depending on how the league shapes up, and, and I talked about the parity earlier, if that continues, maybe you put yourself in kind of that second or third tier in the Eastern Conference. But on the other hand, you look at the Hawks' statistical profile from, from last year and also some of the struggles they had in the postseason, and you could just as easily make the argument that this is kind of an average team. And is an average team worth going into the luxury tax, deep into the luxury tax for? Like you said, that's, that's not – that's not something you do lightly just because you can do it. I I think it does need to be worth the money that you're spending. And so it's hard. The Hawks are almost stuck here where it, you know, you're right that the the way they get better is to go deeper in the luxury tax, but it's also hard to see the move that they could make, even if they are going into the luxury tax, that would substantially upgrade this roster, unless like a Jalen Brown, like you mentioned, or someone of that caliber all of a sudden becomes available either in the off season for next year. So I think we're going to have to see kind of what the chessboard looks like and how that changes over the coming months. My general rule when owners say they're willing to go into the luxury tax and really shell out for a team is to believe it when I see it. And that doesn't just go for Tony, Tony wrestler who has said that for several years, it goes for 
any NBA owner who is talking about the luxury tax, many of them are kind of notoriously stingy when it comes to that. And even in the Hawks case, we've seen some moves that, you know, suggest kind of some cost cutting at the expense of roster quality. So I think it just kind of depends on how the situation evolves, which players are available. And if there's a move that's that the Hawks feel like is really worth going in for that, okay, if we add this player, it's going to take us X amount of money into the luxury tax, but it's going to make us a championship team. I think that's certainly worth doing. But if that move's not there, then the question kind of becomes, what is it worth going into the luxury tax if you're only going to be an average or slightly above average team? Last question for you, Ben. We're joined by Ben Ladner on the waitfor.com hotline, basketball writer for fansided.com. Is, uh, whoever comes out of the East, is, is this has been a hard-fought series. I mean, no matter what ends up happening mm-hmm. here moving forward. Is that an advantage for Denver? Is it a disadvantage because they've had so much of a layoff? I mean, where does Denver fit into all of this just as far as are they rusty? Are, are they, you know, rested up and ready to go and this was a good thing for them? I mean, how do you see all of that on Denver's side of things? Yeah, it's a good question. And it's, it's hard to tell. My instinct is to say that Denver's going to be ready for whoever they face in game one. They've been the most impressive team in the playoffs to me so far this postseason. Um, I mean, they made obviously very quick work of the Lakers and, and I think showed some signs in that series of a team that's really resilient, that's really mentally tough, physically tough, versatile, deep. Um, and obviously they have arguably the best player in the world right now in Nikola Jokic. And just the way all of those pieces fit together, I think they've figured out a lot defensively this year. So I think for them, having the time off probably benefits them, not only because they get the rest, but it also allows them to game plan, get a larger sample of film on Miami and Boston. So regardless of who they face, they have a lot of tape to go through and they can really get a good sense of what the opponent's going to throw at them. Um, And, you know, they did this at the end of the regular season. They kind of coasted through the finish line. And then as soon as the playoffs start, they kick it into gear and they look like the best team in the NBA. So that would be what I would bet on going into the finals. But like you say, it is possible coming off a seven-game series, if a team, especially like Miami, I think we saw this in the bubble where it it was almost a snowball effect that once they beat the Bucs, they just kind of, they rolled into each series using the momentum of the last and by the time they got to the finals, they were really clicking on all cylinders until injuries derailed them a little bit. So I think whatever team makes it, as long as everyone's healthy, it's going to be a really high-level competitive series. But I think Denver will be ready for whatever either team throws at them. Ben Ladner, he's basketball writer for Fansided.com. Join me on the waitfor.com hotline. You can follow him on his personal Twitter page, at B. Ladner. Brad, uh, or sorry, Ben, uh, appreciate the, uh, the time this evening here. Thanks for a few minutes with us. Absolutely, John. Thanks for having me. You got it. John Chuck, we will be back. Sports Radio 92 on the game, odyssey.com app. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.